We welcome you to Live from the Pullman National Monument, our global cast magazine format talk radio show, where we discuss all things cultural economic development, i.e. tourism, and we hold informative conversations on the arts, music, business, and people. I'm your host, Dr. Lynn Hughes, founder of the National A. Philip Randolph Pullman Porter Museum, a National Park Service site in Chicago, Illinois. Good day to you, my listening audience, and we thank you for joining us. Stay with us. Today's show is partially underwritten by United Auto Workers, Local 551, and Hughes-Peterson Publishing, Chicago, Illinois. In the tradition of this program, live from the Pullman National Monument, we've established coming on explaining to you, the listening audience, about the Pullman National Monument. The Pullman National Monument is a thematic district. The themes for the Pullman National Monument are labor and architectural history. Uh, the, The town is famous for its Queen Anne 18th century, 19th century uh, architecture. The town was built by George Pullman, who was the owner creator, founder of the Pullman Railcar Company. Mr. Pullman built the town for the people who worked for him, well, most of the people who worked for him. He built the town to provide housing for the people who worked in the factory. They were carpenters, cabinet makers, machinists, that kind of thing. And he wanted to build housing for them because he wanted to ensure that they had a place to live that was close to his factory in that he was a very astute businessman and so providing housing for his employees that was steps from his factory meant that he could always count on his employees being at work and on time. But Mr. Pullman had two categories of employees. He had those employees that I just named for you, and he also had African-American railroad employees who were the onboard crew for the Pullman Rail Car Company. They did not live in the Pullman Company because they were African-Americans and because of the racial climate and conditions of that time. They could not live in Pullman. So the people who worked as the onboard crew for the Pullman Company lived in a community in the city of Chicago known as Bronzeville. So the connection for African Americans to the Pullman National Monument is that they worked for the company that was located in the Pullman National Monument. But the recognition for the people who were working for the Pullman Company as the onboard crew. Most specifically, the ones that the claim to fame are the ones that brought the most distinction and those who uh, created history with the Pullman Company were the Pullman Porters, who later became known as the Brotherhood of Sleeping Car Porters. They were the formulators of the first African-American labor union in the country. They were the first to win a collective bargaining agreement with a major U.S. corporation, which happened to be the Pullman Company. And so that is the significance for labor history. It is the black labor history connection for the Pullman National Monument. President Barack Obama designated the Pullman National Monument, the community of Pullman, as a Pullman National Monument in February of 2015. And so we are basically catching up, if you will. There were a number of entities 
we were already here, already doing what we do, each of us in our own respective niches, before President Obama designated the area. Case in point, there is the historic Pullman Foundation who operates a house tour, an annual house tour. Then there is the Pullman Factory, which is most famously referred to as the Pullman Clock Tower. That, that is the building that was the site of the Pullman factory where they actually made uh, the train cars, and it was the offices of the Pullman company. They are also uh, at 111th and Cottage Grove. That particular property is now owned by the state of Illinois and has been, I believe, for maybe 10 years uh, but that building is not open to the public on a daily basis. You Visitors may go to that factory and tour the building by appointment only. The Historic Pullman Foundation, which is at 112th and Cottage Grove, is currently shared with uh, or shared by the National Park Service and the Historic Pullman Foundation. The National Park Service is currently working uh, on building or building out their visitor center, which will become the official visitor center for the Pullman National Monument, and it will physic be physically located in the Pullman Clock Tower. But until they finish, they are currently sharing the space at the Pullman Visitor Center, which is which is at 112th and Cottage Grove. I'm not sure what the name is going to be once they finish because you won't be able to have two visitor centers, but, but that is where they are physically operating out of now. Then you have the Hotel Florence. It was the hotel that was uh, in place for people who came to visit Pullman. Uh, it is now under construction, and we are still not clear what that's going to be, uh, you can visit that as well by appointment only. Then there is the Greenstone Church. The Greenstone Church has a history. Uh, its significance is that is because of the bricks are green limestone that were that was distinctive at the time, and apparently it still is. That's number one. The second thing is because of the organ that is there, which apparently has um, major significance. And then, of course, there's the National A. Philip Randolph Pullman Porter Museum, of which I happen to have the honor of being the founder. It is a 22-year-old African-American labor history museum. And while it is small in size, the, the historic significance uh, has national acclaim in that it is the first African-American labor history in the U.S. It is the only one of its kind worldwide. The museum is open Thursday, Friday, and Saturday from 11 to 4, and the admission is $5. I make a point of saying that because all of the buildings that I named in this discussion are owned by the state or the federal government, and so they do not charge uh, an admission because they don't have to. We're not in that capacity yet. We do not have a written agreement with the federal government that would allow us to have a free admission, but we're working on it. We have one new restaurant. It's called the Pullman Cafe. It is at 113th and Champlain. So I hope that that provides you, the listening audience, with the kind of information that you need uh, for your visiting of the Pullman National Monument. Each of the entities that I make reference to has their own individual websites, and you can follow them. But of course, you can visit the A. Philip Randolph Pullman Porter Museum, uh, and the information that I have provided for you is displayed there on each entity under Pullman National Monument. So I hope that that provides you with information that you need. 
that will help better help you understand what about what's going on with the Pullman National Monument. We are going to take a quick break and come right back with our first guest. Visit the PullmanBorderMuseum.com where you can purchase an annual membership at the level of your choice. And, of course, visit our website here to find out more about the show live from the Pullman National Monument at bbsradio.com forward slash live from PNM to contact us. Welcome back. Live from the Pullman National Monument is an international talk show that has a very specific focus, and that is tourism. We highlight and talk about destinations worldwide. But what is unique about this show is that we also discuss the many aspects of tourism. Having said that, Frequently, we discuss the many business opportunities that are available in the area of tourism. So whether you are planning a staycation or actually traveling, our goal here is to inform travelers about the many wonderful sites that are out there just waiting for tourists from around the world to enjoy. And in order to do that, we try to have interesting guests to come on and talk about their respective areas of interest and expertise. We, we love highlighting sites of interest across the globe. And today we are highlighting Blanc Gallery, an art gallery located in Chicago's Illinois' Bronzeville area. Bronzeville is a focal point for Chicago's vibrant African-American culture. Like Harlem in New York, Bronzeville is a community where Chicago's African-American music, literature, fine art, and theater historically thrive. So today, we will highlight one of the six art spaces of Bronzeville working together to focus on and drive cultural interest to of the area so that a distinctive cultural identity can be crystallized and communicated to everyone. And that is national and international visitors, and of course, the people of Chicago. And we think that Blanc Gallery is a perfect selection to highlight today. So with that, ladies and gentlemen of the listening audience, join me in welcoming our guest, Mr. Cliff Brown. Wow. I, I, I love that. I, I'm going to take you everywhere I go, Dr. Hughes. I love it. <laughs> well, fantastic. That would be fantastic. Well, we, we have been trying to get you on this show for some time. We're so impressed and excited about the work that is occurring at Blanc Gallery. And I just wanted very much to have you on to talk about the gallery and what you do. Tell us a little bit about yourself. And this this show is very informal. It's very conversational. And so having said that, I'm going to back out of the door and be quiet and let you do your thing. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you so much for that warm introduction. Um, so again, uh, I'm um, by trade, I'm a chef. And um, through the culinary arts and through the arts, it's given me the uh, ability to be able to shop many markets. And when we started to talk about um, galleries, we created a space just like I would create a space in the kitchen. So instead of using a plate, we use a wall as a canvas. And, and the name Blanc, um, I think it just came out of just creating ideas and concepts of letting artists be truly artists. So we wanted to paint a space that was completely white and let the artists pretty much bring in the color. So I think the, the real passion started um, from the kitchen and creating dishes and 
fascinating customers with whatever it was that we were, you know, putting together for today's special. No different from an artist choosing paint in their different palettes. So the gallery and the restaurant have so many um, um, like-minded issues or, or, or opportunities. We wanted to be able to create a space within Bronzeville that would echo um, what was there for my ancestors. When we start to think about Bronzeville as a whole, it's a community that's steeped in culture and history as it relates to African-American people. Um, it was a community rich in history where you weren't allowed to necessarily go downtown and, and uh, participate in all the activities that were offered in the city. Instead, you were forced to stay within your community, which for, for black folks at that, at that time, I think in the 19, you know, late 30s, early 40s, it was a good time for thriving businesses to prosper. So riding the hills or just building on the history of that, we made a conscious decision to build an art gallery in Brownsville, um, which used to be the old um, funeral home in Chicago. So there's, 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 there's so much, I don't even know like how to really get into it. There's so many different ways that we could, we could talk about art and its impact um, from the culinary side as well as um, from the visual side of the art industry. So, Dr. Hughes, what in particular would you like me to talk about? Well, I, I think, as I said in the introduction, this show is unique in that we talk about the many areas and the aspects of tourism. And so you, the description that you provided is a perfect lead-in to any one of those areas. And But I would say, number one on the top of the list for us is that it's no secret that the show is about tourism, nor is it a, a, a mystery about our, we have a specific focus. We like to highlight businesses um, that are related to tourism that have, uh, that are specifically uh, highlighting people of color, because that is a niche within the tourism industry that is has not been fully accessed or developed, shall we say? And so, because in my un, under my other hat uh, as the founder of the A. Philip Randolph Pullman Porter Museum, we see a large contingent, and it's growing, of international visitors and international tourists. And so, there's a misnomer that tourists will not. Uh, shall we say, patronize uh, communities of color. If you have a product that is appealing to people, they could be black, white, purple, spotted, or dotted. It doesn't matter. If you provide a good product, and that can be a gallery, that can be a service, that could be a museum, it could be a restaurant, it could be any one of any one of those things, a hotel, it doesn't matter, but I think we we like what you do because you have virtually tapped into at least two of those markets, uh, both food and culture, uh, the art world. And so I think it's interesting how you have weaved the two of them together. Um, we have observed how... Um, you take food and weave it into a visitorship of that space. And it's very interesting. And so I I, I don't know. I, I think that you're discussing that. And, and maybe the intentionality of focusing art in a community of color that has historical significance and how it can accomplish two things, perhaps. It can impact the opinion of a tourist who lives in another place. And it also is contributing to the economic impact of a community. Right. No, there's, there's, I mean, it's so many, so many different similarities. And, and, you know, obviously we made a conscious decision to be 
in the heart of Brownsville. And so when you start to think about tourism as a whole, um, the African-American community has been a community overlooked for so many different reasons. And part of the conscious decision of building a contemporary space on the south side of Chicago was because what we wanted to do is display the works of uh, black folks and not limited to, but um, Chicago, uh, regionally, nationally, as well as internationally. Because now what happens is we create a portfolio of this talent. And that talent could be focused on uh, a myriad of things dealing with the art world. And so to be able to have this culture of conversation happen in Bronzeville is very strategic uh, around talent building. So we speak a lot about investing in our community, and we definitely speak a lot about investing in, in the individuals who work for us within the community. So the, the life lesson has been to do right, do good. And what happens is that you have extreme outcomes of success by creating an environment where people are allowed to be artists, uh, what happens is you get, just like you get um, colors on that canvas, you get so many different stories. And those stories then impact which, which traditionally would be overlooked. Now is very vibrant. And so as we start to um, grow our business and as we start to um, reach out to other institutions that are uh, established like the MCA or the Art Institute or the uh, Smart Museum at the University of Chicago, we see that there is synergy there and uh, we've created partnerships to not only expand the life of the particular artist that's featured within our walls, but to be able to um, bring individuals outside of the city and even locally in the city. There's, there's people within the city that we can do our own tourism um, that haven't visited the south side of Chicago. Uh, just to see what what is happening. So it, it's a it's a pivotal part, a very strategic part of um, bringing that culture of conversation to the table. Uh, to the table, we're we're deeply curious around um, how food and art come together and have a conversation around politics, um, the economy, the landscape of of what's happening in those communities. So th there's just a there's a ton of things that um, create the basis for us to continue to build brands and relationships like that. I I just think it's a fascinating uh, approach. Uh, it's it's that thinking outside of the box, but but that is the kind of thinking that will change the mindset of people in general. And there's definitely a need for that. And so, but that's another conversation. But right. but it does come in. <laughs> It does come into play. It's very significant when I think that art and music, culture in general, are things that allow us to transcend racial, economic, gender, and uh, boundaries in a way that no other vehicles can. And that's right. why I think that they're very, very, very important. And so this for us is is a learning process. You know, we're learning as we go, as we see how these particular vehicles impact people. We recognize the significance of that impact. And we are trying with this, the vehicle that we have been blessed with to use it in a way to help shepherd that thinking along in whatever role that we can play. And so it, this show uh, provides a tool, a vehicle, a mechanism for us to speak to people outside in Chicago and outside of Chicago and across the globe to say, these are the kinds of things that people of color do. Not what you see on the media, now, you know, it's in general, the media impression impacts the thinking of a, of a people. And so I think by by sharing with the broader audience, whatever color, race, gender, economic status they happen to, to possess, 
the exposure to culture changes. It's a game changer, as they say, because it, it, it just is. Because art is art. Music is music. Food is food. And those are things that you really can't politicize, if you will. Mm-hmm. And so we we just hope that our efforts in using this platform helps to move that along. And it also, by highlighting these kinds of businesses and these sites, it also gives the person on the, uh, on the other end, like yourself, an opportunity to talk about who you are, what you do, what you have to offer, uh, and and provide information on those things to to entice, if you will, visitors, tourists to come to your space. Well, it, it gives us a, a, a beautiful foundation to start to have conversations that are interesting um, that ordinarily wouldn't come together. Um, it, it, is, it is very strategic in, in, in saying that when you start to think about things that initially ignite thought or process, it was a scent, it was a sound, and, and generally it was a visual. So when we start to, you know, it's funny, as you were talking, I was just thinking about these things um, in art. My first exposure to an art piece was probably on television watching The Cosby Show. And as they would pan out, you would see that picture of that Annie Lee. And that became such a popular piece because it represented so much in the black community. It was, it was, it was a sign of opulence. It was definitely um, a sign of, um, of uh, togetherness and support. So when I think about that, I also think of the other end of the scale of the good times, right? So good times, you ended with that mural of people. And it was all these black folks hanging out, having a great time. And the, the, the trajectory between the two of them, it's, it's insane because it's just saying this is a population of people that are of color. And they're celebrating where they are and what they're doing. And then when I look at the Annie Lee piece, I said, wow, listen, this, this piece right here is so powerful. So in, by having a gallery space, I'm able to connect both of those pieces together. And I'm able to tell a story. And a story could be told over dinner, because generally that's how we tell stories. It's either over food and beverage. But you see how those two worlds, they, they, they automatically tie in. You don't have to necessarily force it. And what I, what I remember from my grandmother, uh, my grandmother's conversations, is that when you taste a piece of food, I want you to be able to close your eyes and it takes you back to a particular era. And so as I look at those both pieces, I remember that watching that was around dinner time. And so how I tie the piece of art to the food, for me, is a, um, is a, is a reminder of that particular era. And for so many people, it's so many stories because it, you know, it's a different story for a different individual. But without doing it, um, we kind of did it on purpose. And, and, and the purpose <laughs> for doing it is so we can continue to have those conversations around art and, and how art actually provokes certain conversations. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, I, I just think it's fabulous uh, what, what you're doing. When I thought, uh, this might be a, a good place to talk about. I noticed um, the on your website where you're talking about the trolley and how yeah, I, I would really like, because that is something that's going to be going on for a while. And so people who are visiting Chicago can make arrangements if they know about it to take that trolley, I think that would be a fascinating experience for tourists. Oh, absolutely. We share the trolley with um, three other surrounding galleries, and I think that there's a total of five participants. But besides Blonde Gallery, there's the Southside Community Arts Center. Um, obviously, there's DuSable Museum, and then you have Little Black Pearl. You have Bay Art Gallery, and then you have the Kishara Gallery. Um, and, and I hope I'm not leaving out anyone, but you know, you, you get a chance to um, go to each of the spaces within the Brownsville and the Woodlawn community, and you, you get a chance to see what 
not only what was created, but what was consciously created um, around the arts. So be it art classes or uh, contemporary, or if you're looking at more modern art, you're looking at sculptures. Uh, I mean, just from a historical standpoint, Southside Community Arts Center is incredible. Um, obviously, the Sabo Museum of African American History is the place where you want to go. And, and these are all tourist attractions. Again, not limited to um, persons that are outside of the city, but if you are in the city of Chicago, you should definitely visit the south side of Chicago and be a part of that. And Dr. Hughes, that's on our website too, so we encourage people to go to blockchicago.com so that that way they can peruse our website and then um, get all their information. So so what are the hours of Block Gallery? Is that that information is provided on your website again, and so you want to make sure you give that website again. Uh, oh, yeah. But and any other any other uh, activity or a new exhibit that you have that you would like to share uh, with the listening audience now would be also a good time to share that. Well, the the website again it's Blanc Chicago, so that's B L A N C Chicago dot com. Um, and the hours of operation are by appointment only. So um, our corporate offices are right next door. So if, in fact, you feel inclined to come by and see some art, uh, if you're not by your computer now, the phone number is 773-373-4320. There's a schedule of events coming up. Um, we have a new exhibit that actually is uh, ending at the end of June, so in a couple weeks. So definitely want to get by and see that. Um, but... Uh, the trolley tour actually starts in, I think, two weeks. Uh, but all that information is definitely listed on the homepage of our website. I just had one question that m- maybe someone in the listening audience might be interested in. The art that you uh, exhibit at your gallery, are they all African-American artists or a mixture of all uh, there's definitely a mixture. Um, it's it's probably 70, 30, 70 percent um, African-American and 30 percent other. Um, and I think originally we started off saying that we wanted to be a focal point for um, artists. And then uh, just the shift came is, you know, based on our, where we located in the community, we obviously wanted to highlight um, African-American artists. But um, the overall goal is to be able to expose the community to great art, no matter what color the artist, you know, the artist is. Well, I think that you're doing great work. Uh, What may have started out with one purpose, I think, blossomed into a dual purpose, which is a good thing. So you're you're impacting the tourism industry. You're, you're impacting the community where you're physically located economically and culturally you're providing a cultural understanding for those people who visit your, clearly you can see when, when one goes to your website that the visitors are multicultural. And so I think that visiting your gallery provides uh, exposure to visitors of all races uh, and provides a better understanding uh, of each other's culture. And that is very significant, particularly at this time in, in this country. I think that when you're better informed and, 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 and have a better understanding of another person's culture, it makes it not only makes you uh, a better better informed, but it makes you a better person, makes you a better citizen. And at the end of the day, that is what we're looking for. I love it. I thank you. (laughs) Thank you so much. (laughs) You are more than welcome. You are more than welcome. And I hope that this will not be the last time that you will visit with us. Maybe when you have the opening of the new exhibit, you'll come back and talk about that later in the summer. And and you're welcome to to give us a shout at any time if you want to if you're having something special going on and you think it will be of interest to the broader audience, by all means let us know and we will certainly invite you back. And Don, our engineer, will be happy to give you a call. As they say, we'll make it happen. 
I thank you. Thank you so very much, Mr. Cliff Rome, owner of the Blanc Gallery in Chicago, Illinois, located in the Bronzeville area. We thank you very, very much for being our guest today on Spotlight on Culture. We're going to take a quick break and be back with our next guest. Well, good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to another show. We have Mr. David Whitaker, President and CEO of Chew Chicago. Good afternoon, Doctor. Jason Lesnevich, who is Neighborhood Tourism Manager for Chew Chicago. Good afternoon. And Mr. Al Orendorf, who is Director of Corporate Communications. Good afternoon, Doctor. It's good to be here. Oh, I'm welcome to you all, and I'm very excited about having the three of you here today. Um, Of course, as you know, the focus of this show is tourism, and that is all it is about. And so we always want to have, we strive to have uh, interesting guests and conversations so that we can share with our listening audience all of the different layers that exist under the broader umbrella of tourism. We are embarking upon a new series of shows with Live from the Pullman National Monument where we will have a live guest in our studio who will be able to help us, shall we say, uncover, explore in depth a little more about tourism as this show is a national and an international show we want to begin to interact more with our international visitors. And so this show is twofold. It will be how to look at different ways to tap into the untapped market of African-American tourists and the international tourists who we want to welcome uh, and invite to the city of Chicago. Chicago is a wonderful place. It has so much to offer. And despite all of the things that the media has to say, we think that Chicago is an absolutely amazing place to visit. And so people should not believe all of the hoopla that they hear and see on the news because we have so much to offer and we want to share that with visitors. And so the group that is with us today in studio, who better to talk about tourism than this group of gentlemen? We have Mr. David Whitaker, whose reputation precedes him as being a veteran uh, tourist professional. And Jason Lesnevich is, you can't find any better person to talk about neighborhood tourism. What he's done for neighborhood tourism in the city of Chicago is absolutely amazing. And Mr. Orendorf, yes, ma'am, is brand new to me, and so all I can say is he's a nice guy. You know, that's a good start. <laughs> He'll grow on you, Doctor. He'll grow on you. <laughs> so why don't we start or begin with you folks just talking to the audience about telling them about you, Chicago, who you are, what you do, what kinds of things you plan to do and how you're helping us launch this new series of conversations about tourism. Well, Dr. I'll jump in, obviously. First, thank you for giving us this opportunity. We're honored to be with you. Your reputation uh, precedes you as well. And, of course, being part of the Pullman National Monument, uh, we're so proud of that uh, national attraction. Uh, It's significant in its history with us and our storytelling of Chicago's past and future and present. So, again, thank you for giving us this opportunity. I also applaud you for this show, a chance to uh, share the Chicago story, both, again, the past, some of the traditions and histories, but also equally, if not more important, what's happening today and what can get visitors and potential visitors excited about learning more and ultimately traveling here. So, again, thank you for this opportunity. And I look forward to hopefully in the future being your guest many, many times as we go on that journey together. Clearly, you talk about visitors and every city uh, has that expectation. We are just ended a year, in fact, our calendar year, and our mayor proudly announced that we had exceeded, for the first time, over 54 million visitors. And we're thrilled with that. 
In fact, the mayor has a goal of, he set that goal seven or eight years ago of, of getting to 55 million. At the time, I think we were at 39 million. I was not part of the Chu Chicago family, but the mayor's vision has been in place for quite some time. We can do better in terms of attracting more international visitors. We welcome over 1.5 million international visitors, but again, many other cities that we are envious of, whether it's Miami or New York or San Francisco, you know, they're in the six, seven million visitor range. And we have an opportunity to do that. I think Chicago's story can be told in new places. And we invite your listeners to learn more about uh, Chicago that will be of interest to them. So again, thank you for giving us this opportunity. Clearly, visitors want to know what makes Chicago different. Why should we go there? Uh, We've been to New York. We've been to California. We've never been to the United States. Whatever their position is, we need to give them compelling reasons to choose Chicago, no pun intended. Jason, in his role with us, um, managing and directing our cultural tourism initiatives, spends a lot of time. We have um, a wonderful program when visitors come here. And Jason, I'll encourage you to give that website because we're shamelessly pushing websites. But it's a visitors who come here can actually get guided tours into the neighborhoods. And we it's a wonderful program. It's staffed by amazing volunteers who help give personal guided tours. And Jason, talk a little bit about that program. Yeah, that's the uh, Chicago Greeter Program, and it's a network of about 210 volunteers. And a visitor um, signs up ahead of time online, chicagogreeter.com. You go online, you fill out a form of what your interests are, and we always ask you about your neighborhood interests. Once that form is filled out, you're matched up with one of these volunteers from Chicago. They meet you downtown at the Cultural Center, they take you on public transportation, and they show you what they love about the city. And many of the greeters love the neighborhoods and all the various attributes that go into the neighborhood. So neighborhoods really get showcased um, through this program, and it's heavily geared towards internationals. About 54% of the participants are from um, international um, destinations, and um, because we're part of the Global Greeter Network, there's multiple services throughout the world, and Chicago is one of one of four in the U.S., so it really differentiates us that we have this great service that highlights our wonderful neighborhoods through the Chicago Greeter Program. That is a very interesting. Um, you just made me aware of something that I did not know, and that's significant for us because, oddly enough, we are... Our international visitorship at the National A. Philip Randolph Pullman Porter Museum has grown. I want to say it might have been about a month ago, we had a bus of about 70 people who were, who were Chinese visitors. And so they had an interpreter with them. Some spoke English, some did not. But we're always curious to to ask the question, why did you choose to come to our site? And what was interesting is that uh, our director has made, who he has established a practice that when we get international visitors, he always make this little video with the, the famous iPhones. So I want to say about maybe a couple of weeks later, one of the local newspapers was doing a story on the museum and the person that they sent to take the photographs happened to be Chinese. And so I was sharing with her the experience. And so I wanted to, so I said to her, we have this video. I would love to know what they said. And so we played it for her. And she said, they said that they were so happy that they came. They wanted to know more about uh, African American, the African American experience. They wanted to learn more about late black labor history and civil rights. So that was very interesting and informative to us. But what was most gratifying for me was that I had the opportunity to know what they were saying on the video. <laughs> you know, our our neighborhoods are attractive for so many of those reasons. You know, we have a wonderful downtown cultural district, if you will. But as you know, um, all throughout all of the great neighborhoods of Chicago, there's great stories to tell. There's historic sites. There's great arts organizations. And so, you know, the possibilities with our neighborhoods are really endless in terms of visitation and, and what visitors have the opportunity to explore here. You know, other areas where we have a proud history and, and known around the world, our brand around the world, is clearly music is another one of those examples. Uh, whether that's jazz or blues, 
Um, and again, the history is there and some of the amazing artists, Muddy Waters, Buddy Guy, Chance the Rapper, who just came home with seven Grammys, our own Chicago young man. So we're so proud of, of him. But that tradition of music, whether it be gospel, soul, blues, that's a very, very rich uh, territory for us to promote our reputation, our traditions, and then what's going on today. Um, so, you know, a perfect example of that is we just announced that the Rolling Stones exhibit, which was first in London, appropriately so, and then has been touring and is in New York City as we speak. Uh, we just had a press conference with the mayor and uh, in April, late April, uh, the Rolling Stones exhibit called Exhibitionism, a little evocative there, will be at our Navy Pier, our number one attraction here in Chicago, and we'll be here for several months. And it's interesting, the Rolling Stones, who all of our listeners, your listeners, know quite well, the name Rolling Stone was actually inspired by Muddy Waters, Chicago's on Muddy Waters. The, name, the song was Rolling Stone on one of his, his uh, albums. And those young men at the time, Keith Richards and, and other Rolling Stone band members, um, Mick Jagger, of course, got so excited about blues. In fact, they just released a new blues tribute. But it's interesting, the Chicago name, Rolling Stone, was, in fact, the inspiration for the name of the band. And I think if you asked any of the members of the band, they would tell you that much of the origin of their music came from here, Chicago. To David's point about uh, uh, blues, uh, certainly jazz influences, um, we have an incredible music history here in Chicago. Uh, and I think that has informed the arrangements and vocal stylings of uh, of uh, bands, rock bands, and and uh, and other music artists from all over the world, uh, and I think that's well known. Um, going back into the into the twenties, uh, everybody knows who Louis Armstrong is, uh, and he is mostly associated with New Orleans. But the reality is that when he came to Chicago in 1923, here is where he cut his teeth. Before he began uh, recording with uh, King Oliver and and started really making a name for himself, he began his process towards superstardom here. Uh, and I, those, that kind of history, I think, is very rich and uh, is a story that I think deserves to be told and retold. And music, of course, remains prevalent today. In fact, we have a number of music events, the festivals that we enjoy over the summer. In fact, uh, we have two major festivals centered around blues and jazz and soul. Jason, I again defer to my resident expert. Of course. You know, the festival season kicks off, as you probably know, with Gospel Fest, a celebration of a, a modern art form that really started here with uh, Thomas Dorsey and uh, Mahalia Jackson, of course, two great names in the gospel uh, music industry as pioneers um, here um, right next door in the Bronzeville neighborhood, running right into Blues Fest. And, you know, Mark Kelly, the new commissioner of D-Case, is really excited about new um, new lenses on all of his festivals and he's really bringing in Rhyme Fest is going to be part of Blues Fest and he's going to have a new modern twist to it not just the classic art form but how blues really led to rock and roll and beyond and you know so Chicago I, you can't speak enough about our music legacy and even from our house music leading to electronic dance music and what's going on currently in Chicago's music scene with Chance and his peers are absolutely amazing and so um, there's such a great music product currently that you can experience here in the city. And then, of course, after um, blues, you get into taste. And then, you know, it really ends with a wonderful series of jazz fests from the downtown wonderful jazz fest um, downtown in our parks and Millennium Park to the Hyde Park Jazz Fest, a wonderful, wonderful festival. And I believe Englewood has a jazz festival, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. And shameless promoters that we are. All of these festivals can be found on our calendar of events. Shameless plug for our calendar of events at uh, www.choosechicago.com. Thank you for this platform, a chance to invite visitors to learn more about Chicago and, and compelling reasons why, whether they're celebrating their own heritage and history, whether they're, they're looking to learn more and more about other uh, aspects of history and culture, but also just to have an amazing vacation experience. It was indeed a pleasure to host your gentleman today. I hope you'll I, have us back. I intend to ask. <laughs> <laughs> I hope that you will come again often. The goal of this show is to talk about tourism, destinations and opportunities and have enlightening conversations about tourism worldwide. And I applaud you for the work that you do. I thank you for joining us today. 
and I treasure this opportunity and hope that you will come again. Thank you, Doctor, and again, thank you for your time today. It's been our pleasure. I appreciate it. You are most welcome. Come see us in Chicago, everyone. Everybody, thank you for sharing with us another informative show on the ever-expanding topic of tourism. Thank you to the listening audience for spending part of your Sunday with us. And a very special thank you to the Pullman Messenger Magazine, United Auto Workers Local 551, and Chew Chicago. Thank you to our fantastic engineer, Mr. Don Newsom, smooth jazz artist Jonathan Fritzen for allowing us to use his music on our show every week. And last but not least, you, the listening audience. Because without you, there would be no show. And we'll see you next time on Live from the Pullman National Monument. Live from Pullman National Monument was brought to you by Hughes-Peterson Publishing in Chicago, Illinois. Hosted by Dr. Lynn Hughes.